0: and obviously like we exist as our own people independent of you know red and blue like i play up the domes thing for laughs, yeah. <laughs> i like domes i don't like domes as much as blue likes domes. let me just describe it that way
1: yeah, um, yeah. there
0: are other architecture features that are also worthy of love <laughs> yeah. like arches you're really
2: not helping your cat um... oh i'm so different from blue i like domes and arches <laughs>
0: hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Overly Sarcastic podcast. I am blue and I'm joined by red So and Indigo who was uh, with me and cyan and some other friends uh, in VidCon which uh, we got back from two weeks ago. so we're like three weeks between podcasts <laughs> right now. Indigo, what did you think of VidCon?
3: It was a blast. It was great to see everyone in person because usually it's just me and my cat alone in my apartment working in this industry <laughs> so that was it yeah. was a, it was a good time.
0: Yeah, it was ah, uh, it was fun. We got to spend a lot of time hanging out with uh, Dominic Noble and um, Kaluna Reviews uh, and a handful of mm-hmm, other mm-hmm. Uh, really cool people. Uh, the The list would be long, so I, I will not list everyone <laughs> here. But uh, we we got to spend a lot of time with some really cool friends uh, who we've like interacted with online a few times, but never really been able to actually like get drinks with uh, and and hang out with and and just chat mm-hmm. about stuff. So that was uh, that was fun. The convention was definitely not geared uh, towards a, a creator of, of, of OSP size. That's valid. I probably should have known that going in, but we mm-hmm. had a lot of fun just chatting, just making friends with people whom we've never met before, people who we've talked mm-hmm. to before online, mm-hmm. and just being able to be social. Um, it, was, uh, it was good. Yeah, it was cool. and a half. Sounds like it. Yeah.
2: I actually, I haven't gotten like the full debrief, Uh, so like the full roster of who we hung out with is a little is is exciting uncharted territory for me i feel like what's probably going to happen is the next time we actually like we all go it'll be like oh those guys those guys and i'm just like what's what, is
1: what? Who?
0: yeah <laughs> so that'll be fun if he is going to be like yo yeah. <laughs> Blue and, Indigo, and red's gonna be like what <laughs> i'll be the audience no. surrogate
2: just no, as we, ignorant as the world
0: we, we saw a, um a panel by uh the roost the rooster teeth guys which had um uh, it was, uh, Charlotte and Armando from Funhouse, uh, Barbara from Rooster Teeth, and then, uh, Iffy and Wadiway also from, from Rooster Teeth, and we got to say mm-hmm. hi to a few of them afterwards, and they're all very, very polite, very fun, so, oh, uh, yes. told Iffy how much, uh, loved, uh, his character, uh, Marcus and <laughs> Escape from the blood Keep from Dimension 20. Fantastic, <laughs> uh, little d game. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, it was, uh, it was good. It was cool. Mm-hmm. And then last weekend, I finished watching She-Ra, finally,
1: yes.
2: and that was
0: great. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah I, I I had like a thing going on so I was sort of intermittently seeing your messages it's like oh I'm gonna go cry myself to sleep now and I was like oh yeah yeah he got to the yeah. finale. <laughs>
0: it's like spinny my weakness is you just blew <laughs> sobbing on the couch at midnight <laughs> uh yeah but uh, anyway we we also had things that 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 we did on on our channel instead yeah. of just uh going to conventions and consuming media starting with uh with a real interesting myth that had a lot of... Very cool historical context behind it. Red, tell us about yeah. uh, about Thoth stealing the moon.
2: <laughs> uh, he didn't steal the moon. He get, he won 70, 170th of it fairly in a game of Senate. That's not the same thing. It's totally kosher, it's totally kosher and everything's fine. But uh, it was a very interesting little myth because I feel like people who have constructed calendars historically just get more frustrated over time uh, <laughs> because you know, as mentioned in the video, for about half the video. Uh, the, the ways that the sun and the moon and the planets move don't actually line up perfectly in nice integer numbers, which is very frustrating. Um, so, you know, you can observe a solar year, that's fine, and then, you know, if you pay attention long enough, you can get even the concept of leap days in there. But after a while, you know, things just start getting more and more complicated. Uh, And I just think it's very, very fun that there's a straight up myth about like, why is this out of alignment? Who messed that up? (laughs) (laughs) Who got rid of our nice 30 day, 12 month year? And it's like, that guy, he did it for a legal loophole. So that was fun. Um, Thoth is a very interesting god. He's like really, really structural and old. in some versions, he's one of the oldest gods around, like hatched himself from a cosmic egg or something like that. Uh, it's it's a whole thing. Um, <laughs> and uh, he also becomes a god of the moon in the later kingdoms. Uh, so early on, there is a separate moon god, but it kind of becomes under Thoth's purview later on, which is uh, I'm pretty sure why in uh, Moon Knight, uh, Khonshu has a bird head because oh, Khonshu yeah. in the uh, – in the mythology mostly just looks like a a young like mummified boy uh with like a head like a normal human head (laughs) so his design in Moon Knight absolutely slaps the temptation to use the spooky mummy bird was strong but I thought it would be better to stick with the myth
0: yeah so Red (laughs) when you were illustrating this and coming up with the character designs you're like I don't know what to do with I'm like giant spooky mummy bird and you're like no but I'm like okay fine fine fair enough fair enough very valid if I didn't
2: use Marvel (laughs) 4 I shouldn't use Marvel Conchu. Yeah, <laughs> um,
0: no, that's. Uh, yeah. God,
2: yeah, but yeah, no, it, it was a it was a fun little video. Uh, Definitely, some of, a lot of myths are like about that short, and the the struggle there is making it not a two minute video where I just explain <laughs> literally like, oh yeah, did this, did that. Okay, it, there's like four things that happen in that story, so.
0: Um, It was funny on the subject of like a two minute myth video when we first opened up um, translations for people to submit to the community. We got a bunch of translations for like Niobe. I think it's like, why is everyone doing this one? Oh, it's it's a a minute minute and 40 seconds. Yeah,
2: yeah. Before I decided that was probably too short for a video. Um, well
0: we were still in college back then those were the days yeah we were busy no i Um, i like this one because it was a really nice balance of like obviously the myth itself but the background to why the the myth not why the myth exists but why the myth is presented as solving a problem Uh, because a lot of myths are kind of like that where you know they explain why things are the way they are and the stars is such a a weird thing, uh, but it's also <laughs> so fundamental to a lot of mythologies. Like what is it, like the Pleiades myth is like older than you know agriculture or some nonsense. That's the theory, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, the,
2: the, the short version, the Pleiades is a s- cluster of seven stars, but now only six are visible. Two of them have drifted to be too close together to be distinguished with the naked eye, but they're called the seven sisters and there are seven of them in most cultures that have myths about them. And in several of them, there are myths about how one of the sisters died or, or walked away or something like that. And uh, as far as anyone can tell, that star moved out of alignment about 100,000 years ago. So before that, there were seven. And then at some point, someone looked up and was like, hey, there's six. So the, yeah. the idea that the, the core nugget of myth behind that is pre-100,000 years old is very cool if true, but, you know, difficult to, like, comprehensively prove. Um, but, yeah, this this one is interesting. It's a lot more tied in with, like, a real practical thing than a lot of the myths we deal with. Uh, but also, Egyptian mythology specifically, there tends to be this thing where they'll just kind of formulate myths for political reasons. Because uh, Egypt, you know, very, very long-lived kingdom. Lots of pharaohs, lots of internal political shufflings. You might have noticed there's a lot of Egyptian myths about a god, like, usurping another god or, like, taking power from them in some way. Uh, and which god was the most important in the pantheon shifted a lot. A lot. I think, like, each individual pharaoh a lot of the time had, like, I'm going to associate myself with this god and this god's going to become more important. Kind of in the same way that La- Aphrodite to Venus to Venus Genetrix, like, yeah. became significantly more important in Rome. Uh, there's, I think, a myth about one of the... Uh, maybe Hatshepsut one of the female pharaohs uh had like a specific myth about her birth where like Ra himself decreed yes I know this child is a girl but she'll be the greatest you know the greatest of my line etc etc destined for to to rule despite you know all those pesky rules or whatever and it's like well who are you to say (laughs) that Ra is wrong so
0: yeah I think that was Hatshepsut
2: yeah, and it's just, just this interesting case where you get these stories that we have the political and historical context to understand why they were told, which is not true in a lot of other cultures that have myths. Like, yeah. you know, there are all the Greek myths about, like, Theseus and stuff like that, that's all, like, Athens being like, we're the coolest, here's our hero, he's the coolest. But, you know, we, we don't really have the exact, like, decrees or or... It's harder to pin down because Athens didn't do that king thing so you don't have like the the specific guy who's like, this is the myth about how I'm the greatest. The yeah in Egypt you get that. And like I think most people know about Akhenaten uh, and how he sort of like, Upset the entire pantheon by saying, All the other gods are unimportant. We're worshiping the sun disk now. And basically, as soon as he was out, everyone was like, <laughs> Never mind all that. Uh, so that kind of like it was an upset, but it was an upset because he picked a god that like hadn't been in charge before and wasn't <laughs> really I a god. What gonna do with all of
0: my sun
1: disk merch? <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: that's the thing. Like the sun disk is a symbol worn by other gods for the most part, yeah. it's not worshipped on its own. So, Akhenaten's move was a little bit funky and weird and like monotheistic in a way that Egypt kind of never was, uh, except for that one time. So, it's just very interesting. And I, I think, like, a lot of times people like trying to find what's the real or like what's the nugget of truth at the center of this ancient legend. And in this case, it's like, well, there was this guy and he wanted more political power. <laughs>
1: um, and it's just yeah. interesting
2: to me that even this myth, like, the fact that the five days on the year are the the birthdays of the gods, means the idea of being like, hey, uh, boss, in the last, like, thousand years, the seasons are just not happening when they're supposed to anymore. We think adding one more day every four years will fix it, and they're like, one more god's birthday? What are you saying? So it's just... That we don't have the explicit like we're not doing that decree but we do have hey I think we should do this and then it wasn't done at that uh, that like quorum in 200 ish yeah. BC so it's just very interesting to me how how religion and politics and mythology all entangle together and the only thing that makes it to the modern day is typically the mythology so yeah
0: yeah, yeah. we have to infer back and if we're lucky we'll maybe have some account of something or other or mm-hmm. in the case of the um the uh the thoth myth uh an interesting way that that has come down to us in modern times is through the antikythera mechanism which actually has mm-hmm. some indication of the arithmetical gymnastics required <laughs> to make um the seasons and the the you know months days and years all align yes. and how there's like the metonic cycle which is like a 19 year Thing which makes it so that, you know, the moon and the solar calendar align on the it's, it, whole It's a mess, mass, yeah. Very complicated, yeah, very so cool, yeah. extremely complex. <laughs> and the other
2: fun thing about making this video is I got to uh, break open my, <laughs> my dictionary of Middle Egyptian again. Um, not a language I ever got fully into, but I remember enough of it that, like, I can look things up in the dictionary and construct the, the correct. And shout out to the one person on the Discord who was like, wow, the hieroglyphs on that decree are correct. And I was like, oh, thank God. So <laughs>
0: Was that Billy?
2: No, this was actually oh, okay. somebody else, but I, I hope Billy liked it too.
0: <laughs> no, I, I, I think he did.
2: One of our mods is a full Egyptologist, and he was like, hey, if your thoughts video is not done yet, I have some interesting notes about him. And I was like, it is done, <laughs> but thank you so much. <laughs> oh. uh, we love you, Billy. But uh, yeah. Yeah, so that was a very fun video. I, I had a I had a really good time with it. And then uh, the story behind the next video is uh, yeah, it, <laughs> Boo, you got related. back from uh, <laughs> you got back from VidCon and yeah. you're working on a video. And pretty much every day for like four days straight, you'd be like. Oh my God, this video is going to kill me.
0: Yeah, I, I wanted to get the script done on like Monday or Tuesday. And it was, it's it's a city minute, so I'll, I'll, I'll spoil it. Spoiler but, alert, yeah. Uh, it was supposed to be related to uh, recent Canada Day, 4th uh, of July holidays. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I really want to get this done for like this past week. But... I I I did some research on the two days before I we went to VidCon. Uh, then I was thinking, okay, like I'm good. I can just I can power through it. Just I can work at 100 percent like I always do. I'll just I'll just hit the ground running. It'll be great. Yep. Uh, we slept for like five hours each day at VidCon, so I came back utterly exhausted. I didn't finish the damn thing until like Thursday afternoon. Mm-hmm. So I was on Thursday. I'm like, Fred, this yeah. script is gonna kill me. <laughs> what and, do I do? <laughs> uh,
2: I, I said a thing that I have said before. Uh, that but normally you've been like, no, no, I got. This. But this time, you were like, okay, we'll do a detailed diatribe.
0: Yeah, and, and, and like, that's why we made the detail. Like, yeah. the whole concept of the detailed diatribes is that we have it if we need to make it in a pinch. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. And I had, like, like a week prior, I had this idea of, like, oh, my God, you know, I, I've noticed this thing about, like like, satire that seems to appreciate the original versus satire that doesn't. Uh, Maybe, you know, you know what? I think I've got some thoughts on this specifically, and all these, like, oh, you know, Snyder, Superman, Nolan, Batman, all this stuff. You know what? Yeah, let's talk about this with Superman. I just had like a page of notes that I just kind of written up. And then I was like, we're going to turn this into a PowerPoint in the next six hours. So, and it was funny because I was working on that, and like, I almost. I almost felt like you were like racing me because I'd be like, oh, I've got this cool slide. You're like, great, I just got through. (laughs) City name redacted for spoilers. And I was like, ah, I see. Okay, (laughs) so like it was a little unclear, like was I gonna have this video just in reserve or were we actually putting it up on Friday? Uh, And that evening we recorded the whole thing with about six hours of prep work, which I'm gonna, you know, just for the record, we've seen your comments. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't want anyone to feel like they, uh, they aren't being heard here. Trust me, your voices haunt my dreams now. Uh, but uh, I think part of the reason why I'd say this video is a little less polished than our other diatribes is, you know, I had about six hours of lead time to get the whole thing in order. Uh, and and that's, on me.
0: That's, no, that's, that's on me. No, that's not
2: on you. That's Well, it's... I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I, I did it so that we would have a video that week, but we could, there were ways we could have handled it. But ultimately, you know, we basically used the first draft when normally we'd work on the second draft. Uh... This isn't, you know, caveating anything. Uh the the for main sticking point of this video was a four minute section of an hour and forty minute video. Uh which I understand. I totally get. We for we, we, we took a leap, we talked about something that we hadn't seen, and only knew the very surface level of because every time we looked deeper, uh, it got kind of hard to see through all the gore and organs on screen. <laughs> for, so. for
0: context for anyone who didn't watch the, the original video yet, I mean, yeah. like, it's still there. Go, go check it hmm. out. We'll be here. It's um, really good. We, yeah, check it we out. We talked about a very popular um, show called The Boys, which yeah. unbeknownst to us finished its third season on the day we uploaded our video. <laughs> we sass
2: talked it the day the finale went up.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, and neither <laughs> of us have seen it, but we. Did make a point to look bring up, it up as... plot synopsis beforehand yeah. so that we could more effectively bring it up in our video. I find it very gory and just uncomfortable. Yep. A lot of people are cool with that. That's great. Totally fine. Yeah. But we felt it was necessary to bring it up for the sake of completeness.
2: It's like the thing I see every time I turn on my TV advertised from every screen available. It's like the new hotness. If we made a video about making satirizations of Superman and we hadn't mentioned the boys our comment section would have the exact same percentage of people complaining but they'd be complaining about a very slightly different facet of the
0: issue. So essentially we Did not find much in the character of Homelander that we liked, which is not to say you can't like it. The show is, by all accounts, very well constructed. It Mm. is a good satire of celebrity culture, but things get muddled in regards to a discussion of Superman. And in specifically talking about Superman, our perspective was we're not really a fan of the concept of the character Homelander. However well executed, he is. So we I... would like to talk about more of the <laughs> Superman stuff because that was what we were yeah. so excited to talk about for the purposes of this video.
2: That's really it. I will say, though, the one unexpected bonus side effect of our little four-minute uh dive into uh spicy takes we aren't qualified to discuss is that nobody got on me for sass s- talking zach snyder or christopher nolan nobody yeah. i thought that was gonna get me crucified Honestly, but no.
0: <laughs> after we finished the recording you know it was a two-hour recording we cut it down um yeah. we we th- really thought on that first draft, like, it was the Nolan stuff that was gonna get us. (laughs) I was sassing
2: everyone's favorite movies from, like, 2005 to 2010, that people still act like they hold up great. I was like, I think this version of Batman is terrible. And I was like, I think the Snyder DC movies are bad and don't get the point. And instead, all anyone got on me was, why didn't you watch this show that you would hate on principle? (laughs) So, I I mean, I've learned a valuable lesson from this, but it might not be the right one. (laughs) Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh yeah, no, the uh the other hour and thirty-five minutes of that video I had a great time with. Uh as you could probably tell, there's a there's a level of enthusiasm and like just like in depth analysis in the first and last large chunks of the video that just kind of isn't matched by we have to talk about this on obligation, and here's why we're not gonna have fun with this bit. Well, I mean, so. there
0: were a lot of things in the middle of the of the the trope the trope talk, the detail that I tried <laughs> that we were Ooh, just like, you, you know, example, example, example. Whether it yep. was uh, for the man who has everything, or Superman versus the elite, or whatever happened in Men of Tomorrow, where we're kind of like going through boom, 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 and chugging through a lot of examples, good and bad. Yep. Whereas the beginning, we really got to talk like structurally, what is it What's that made Superman tick? What was what was the yeah. core of this character from his inception that has lasted so long? I and, mean, they really
2: nailed it right out of the gate. So, yeah.
0: and then at the end, you know, what is it that that we still find interesting and enduring? Um editing and, uh, in that
2: soapbox was oddly the most difficult the, part of the video. It kept The like soapbox was slung.
0: so funny. And, like, four <laughs> out of five of those were mine. <laughs>
2: I, I picked it up. I like an opportunity to get preachy. So <laughs> as soon as you started, I was like, oh, good, we're in this now. But, no, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and I think that Superman as a character, I, honestly, like, the comments I love most on that video are the people who are like, you know, I didn't like Superman before this video. And I'm like, oh, thank God. I, <laughs> this is all I needed. All I needed was for people to appreciate the genuine value of a, of a no no caveats, no secret dark side paragon character. Because it's like, well, I don't know, you guys have heard my thoughts on this. I've done video, you know, Grimdark and, and uh, realism and stuff like that, where it's just like, I think that it's dumb that everyone thinks that being pessimistic is smarter than being optimistic, but you know, whatever. Uh, but just getting to talk about why Superman as a character isn't just like, fine, genuinely is quite interesting and well worth exploring i think is a lot of fun and i i I had a really good time with that and also i got to talk about you know three superman stories that i don't see people talk about so much uh because i think we might be contributing to this but i think people mostly like talk about the superman stories they don't like because they don't work because they're complaining because it's the internet and like complaining is the currency we work on um
0: I, I do think that with the exception of Justice Lee, we have not been blessed with an abundance of good superhero stories lately.
2: Mm. <laughs> That's a bold statement, considering the MCU is still a thing. But I wholeheartedly agree. Well, I mean, um, he's not—he's not,
0: he's not a, Superman's DC. He's not MCU. You
2: said superhero, not. Did DC. I say superhero? You oh did. my god! I meant Superman.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. I meant to say. That's okay. Superman. That's okay. Uh, we're um, still gonna
2: get the angry comments we were getting before. Nobody's gonna yeah. notice. It's the wow, smoke screen. Oh my screen. god! Yeah, that is a lot
0: spicier <laughs> if I say good superhero stories. Wow! Uh, maybe to be that was fair. just my my really specific barb at uh, Phase Four MCU. But what I was gonna say no, about. Uh, about Superman is that the thing that I I find in him is that he's very much a kaleidoscope for how people think about humanity in general. Because mm. what people think Superman would be or would do tends to be, not universally, tends to be a reflection of what people think about humanity in general. So if you think of Superman as like, yeah, someone with infinite power would use that for good. Yeah. Odds are that also <laughs> reflects one of you know, (laughs) your own established assumptions that people tend to be good versus people tend to be bad.
2: I do also think it's important that Superman is who he is, not because he's an everyman, but because he is a notably good person. So it's like, there are plenty Mm -hmm. of people in the DC universe who have infinite power, and as you pointed out in the video, Use it no for one's... evil, yeah. And honestly, I'm really glad you said that because that's a really like clean and simple summary for why evil Superman stories don't work that I just hadn't made that specific connection for. It's like the, the premise, the thesis behind evil Superman is the premise behind every super villain. And they're not clever when they do it either, so. But the fact is, like, I think the idea that you know Superman is Superman just because that's the nature of humanity, I think it's a little more accurate to say Superman is Superman because he's a good person. And the fact that he has ultimate godlike powers doesn't compromise his desire and, and moral character to do good things. So the idea is not so much, it is inherent in humanity that we will always do good, because obviously, I don't think anybody really makes that statement. But uh, the idea is instead that like having that kind of power will not corrupt you unless you let it. And I think that that's a key yeah. facet of Superman. Then again, I might just be showing my own personal creed towards humanity in this. Like you said, it is pretty yeah. revelatory.
0: I I feel like uh, a more applicable version of the power corrupts absolutely is that power reveals. Yep, power uh, And reveals. I think that is... Uh, it it often will overlap. For a lot of people, power reveals a corrupt attitude underneath someone's, you know, shiny, you know, morals and and manners they display day to day. But for the most part, the idea that power reveals, I think, works a lot better with the concept of superheroes that when you have people who have this power, great responsibility, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I mean, all that to say, the idea of a character who is so strong and helps is just such a potent thing that, you know, I... We're gonna have Superman forever, and that's a good thing.
2: Yeah, I did want to say one thing just specifically about that is that there is a there's a quote or a, a thing that Brendan Lee Mulligan said at one point, which is that people on a basic level don't operate on ideologies; they operate on internal instinct, and then justify it by constructing ideologies. And uh, the line that he said that I remember is, "Which means before you were a fascist, you were a bully and an asshole." Yeah. Uh, essentially, the idea that like being given power reveals, you know, you you have this internal core of how you operate, and being given power allows you to take more action, thus it reveals what you want to do slash what you are willing to do. So before you align yourself with this ideology, you already have these principles in you that align with the underpinnings of that ideology, and you you choose it to support you, not because it changes your mind. Anyway, there's a lot there, but I think Superman is a very fun example of just, like, this is a character who unshakingly does the right thing even though he could do otherwise and is frequently put in situations where he should do otherwise and yeah. I think one core thing about Superman is he will always find a way to save as many people as possible. If you put Superman in a situation where he has no choice but to compromise his moral character, you don't get Superman. Dark <clears throat> Snyder. Anyway, let's talk <laughs> about... Go
0: watch the Animated <laughs> Justice League. Anyway, yeah. also other things that uh, we wanted to recommend. We're going to uh, implement a new a new little section of the podcast for recommended things that, mm-hmm. that we like because there are a lot of things that we really like and don't necessarily know how to best like present those. Like We shout some things out on Twitter sometimes, but that kind of feels like... Just putting it into the ether so we're bringing in a little section where we just talk about every podcast something we found that we liked recently yeah Uh, to start off i discovered online um a youtube channel called uh, art of armor armory smith which is a ukrainian blacksmith who i discovered because he made a handmade medieval style mandalorian helmet it's so it is so cool! It's great. He was also recently featured for for this same build on a channel that we've been friends with for a little bit. That yeah. works, uh, Matt and Ilya, uh, amazing uh, blacksmiths and bladesmiths. Yeah. Um, and we just saw this this guy who I mean, Red, you you explained it very well. But he's just <laughs> such a fun uh, creator to watch. Uh yeah, Really, he really had, great editing style.
2: He's he's a lot of fun. He uh, it's one of the only crafting channels I've seen where the focus is not so much on like this is a tutorial, but is instead on entertaining. With, yeah. While still sort of being educational, so it's about a 50-50 split for each part of the armor, because you know armor is generally symmetrical down the middle. So he'll be like, "Okay, I'm going to show you how this one is hammered out for you mere mortals, but this one I will shape using ancient Ukrainian magic." And he'll just like jump, like he'll punch it, and it'll be the right shape, or like yeah. pop it on his pec so it shapes to the. So it's just very, very funny. Uh, he also, uh Blue, you mentioned this to me. He soundtracks his own videos with music he performs himself, and it's yeah. really good. So it's just like a delightful little microcosm of like, this is a guy. Just living his best life, and it's beautiful to watch, and I'm glad he's sharing it with us.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's really excellent. Um, And uh, he donates uh, all of his Patreon uh, revenue to Ukrainian volunteers, uh, which is really, Mm. really cool as well. So, uh, great channel. uh, It's it's a new
2: channel. It's only, like, a few months old, and he's only got, like, Um, a few...
0: So... He actually has multiple channels. One does uh, English voiceover work, uh, and Mm -hmm. one is the video builds with Ukrainian voiceover. And his Ukrainian channel has been around for much longer.
1: Ah. Um, But
0: this one was a recent thing he started doing with doing it in in English voices. But uh, it's it's cool. Uh, Super cool. Yeah, so show him some
1: love.
0: Yeah, as far as uh, stuff that we have to announce, um, nothing really here yet, but we're close (laughs) to a big milestone. So uh, tell your friends to subscribe, (laughs) and then we'll have something to show you guys.
2: Oh, no, I got to There's a Redacted for spoilers is a thing i got to work on. (laughs) It's okay, we're fine. i just got to add it to the pile of other things.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy. uh, In this instance, um, I don't think we actually have anything that we need to plug. Oh, Rolling with Difficulty is is, is happening. Yeah, it's back. Yes. Uh,
2: So go listen to that. And also, Rolling with Difficulty has its own dedicated merch shop, so check that out. Uh, It's got a lot of uh, D&D jokes that are funny, even if you don't know this campaign, so... Uh, the uh, the insect plague design is apparently getting some love from just Quite like popular, general yes. D&D players so I, I think
1: <laughs> nice. yeah, yeah for,
0: for those uh, who don't know uh, Red and Indigo what is Rolling with Difficulty uh, for people who might have joined in between uh, seasons <laughs> 1 and 2
3: yes Rolling with Difficulty is a and d 5e actual play podcast following the adventures of four idiots and a spell jammer in a sort of Planescape spelljammer mashup. We do a very adventure of the week style podcast. Uh we did eight episodes officially in season one and then dropped the mm. Secret Lost episodes uh, episode zero. Yes. And we are now in the midst of season two, which will have ten episodes total. Uh it's myself and Red are both players. Uh, our dear friend Austin is the DM and uh there are two other wonderful lads who appear alongside us as co PCs. Um yes. It's a blast. It's very silly at times and very emotionally damaging at others, which I think is the perfect balance for any <laughs> D yeah. um, and D campaign. Good D and D. Yeah. And it's it's been I've been having a blast making it, so I hope. If you missed season one, I killed a
2: guy it. with an omelet,
3: so definitely check that out. <laughs> yes, that is, I believe, the first combat of season one. Yeah, exactly. One, so you can intro. just watch that, and then you know everything. But it yeah. it uh, cross posts on uh, everywhere fine podcasts are sold, and also YouTube under uh, uh, the channel Rolling with Difficulty. If you want to watch it there instead. It's not that there is more video content necessarily, it's just I available watch it on YouTube and then leave comments. Everybody loves getting <laughs> feedback. The podcasts are not a very feedback heavy medium, so No. no. Yeah.
0: Because you can only post comments to, like, the general podcast. You can't respond yep. to specific. Yeah. So it, it's funny because, like, for the OS pod, like, the way that we gauge how the community reacts to each podcast episode is when uh, our Reddit user, and Jir posts the OS pod out of context. And people <laughs> yeah, are yeah, like, ah, just yes, this was a fun episode. <laughs> yeah. I listened to this episode. I still don't understand what any of these pictures are references to. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean,
2: I also just will look at the the um, the part in the Discord where people discuss it when it comes out. Oh,
0: but, yeah, that's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Yep. Anyway, yeah, so uh, that about covers us, so I guess we're going to move on to the Q&A portion of the Overly Woo! Sarcastic Podcast.
3: Hello and welcome to the Q&A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord. This first question comes from one of our lovely patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, support the channel, consider becoming a patron for a chance to have your question asked first on a future episode. This question comes from... Gilsvit, the server drunk, uh, to all, does the size of the fandom OSP gained during the years intimidate you somewhat sometimes, or have you gotten used to it?
0: This is uh. an interesting question because specifically in the context of just having been to VidCon,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I, I, I don't want to speak for Red, but I have not been able to accurately get a sense of how large the OSP community is. And I vastly underestimated its size. <laughs> Coming back from VidCon, I still underestimate its size, but by a little less now. <laughs>
2: yeah, I think I. What you mentioned is like a bunch of the featured creators were like half our size or something like yeah. that, uh, yeah. which is pretty interesting. Because uh, I think, I think, the problem is it's sort of reached the point where it's just like incomprehensible. Yep. so like mm-hmm. I look at the number and I'm like, oh yeah we're creeping up on two million and then that I move on with my day but if I saw two million people at once uh oh yeah so it, it's yeah. it's kind of astounding I think the thing that mostly startles me is when it sort of like re-enters my social circle from angles I wasn't expecting <laughs> like I run into like a random person' who's like oh do you know this and I'm like Or you know, like I've got a couple friends who will be like, I'm on Discord servers, and sometimes someone there will be like, "Hey, check out this video," and I have to like bite my tongue and not say anything. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And uh, I, I think the one thing that is a little bit intimidating is it's. I mean, we're just like people, you know, we're just us. Mm. We're just having a good time, but I don't know how we're perceived on that scale. Like. I don't feel like we're a two million strong YouTube channel. I feel like we're, you know, a few idiots hanging out, having a good time, (laughs) somehow monetizing the thing that we love. Um, But I think when you have this much of a platform, you almost get like, I mean, there's a there's a sort of parasocial depersonalization that happens. But also, like, I think it's a lot easier for people to just sort of like get mad at you (laughs) uh, (laughs) or like dislike you just on principle. And that's weird to me, because to them, it's like, that's a faceless YouTube channel that I just don't happen to agree with. But for me, I'm like, I'm a person, and that's weird and scary that you have such strong opinions about me, and you don't know me. (laughs) Uh, Mm. And I think that's the one thing about having an audience this size that's kind of unnerving, because the people who follow us seem to follow us because they like what we do. That's not what worries me, but I think if you see it from the outside and you're like, that's a channel with two million people, They've got to be totally acceptable to 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 attack because we can't possibly hurt them because they're a giant. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's you know, <laughs> we're not a giant. We're just a few you know goobers <laughs> hanging out. Those two million people don't form some sort of ablative shield that
3: protects <laughs> us from feeling bad things about or two stuff. million subscribers in a trench coat. And that's yeah. <laughs> there's, there's actually
0: a hilarious video by um, a channel called Man Carrying Things. Actually, a friend mm-hmm. of Daniel Green's. Yeah. um yeah. About like how completely intangible YouTube clout is.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's
0: very funny. It, um, yeah. <laughs> but I yeah, I, I think part of it is like we anticipate the parasocial dimension by like abstracting ourselves to cartoon characters. Mm. Where it's like, you know, people see, you know, these cartoon characters red and blue and the things that we talk about and that's that's by design. It's so that we can keep the focus on the topics, as if we're not the product. We're telling Mm -hmm. you about myths and literature and history. Um, and obviously, like we exist as our own people, independent of you know red and blue. Like I play up the domes thing for laughs. I like domes. I don't like domes as much as blue likes domes. Let me just describe it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. There are other architecture features that are also worthy of love, like arches. You're really
2: not helping your case. Um, oh, I'm so different from blue. I like domes and arches. Yeah. Uh,
0: well, well, no, but like um, I, I think there there's a, d- a degree of, of abstraction between yeah. like the audience, the content the characters and then us, um, which makes it a little bit hard to quantify.
3: I think, you know, something that I've observed, and obviously I haven't quite been in this game on at the scale or duration that you guys have been in, but just also having just come back from VidCon, like Mm. the creator space is so spread out and remote. And so rarely do you physically interact with anyone who would know you or your content um, that I think it's very easy to just sort of distance yourself from how much of a following you have at times, uh, and that's not necessarily yeah. a bad thing. It just means that yeah. when you do get punched in the face of like, oh wow, two million, it's like, oh, I can't even, you know, you can't even conceive <laughs> yeah. of that, and it's completely understandable. Uh, I know Blue, we were having like similar reactions at VidCon of like, people recognize you by your voice, but because <laughs> yeah. we're always, you know, you guys are cartoon characters. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting, interesting
2: situation. I think like when we when we kind of started getting into the channel stuff, there was a serious focus on like maintaining privacy mm-hmm. and maintaining. Distance, uh, like when we started, you know, nearly 10 years ago, uh, yeah. well, it, we didn't really quite get started until a little ways after that, but around that time, that was when things like vlog channels and let's plays were like mm-hmm. the thing. Like, that was that was pretty close to when we like the first people started getting super viral and getting millions of subscribers. Yeah. That was around the time when that yeah. was becoming a thing, and I think we were kind of like. Having your face on camera is real scary. Like we don't want to do it that much. Uh, and the yeah. idea of like, especially <laughs> vlogging, like the idea of just like showing every aspect of your life yeah. just mm-hmm. constantly—it's yeah. become bear ex- your
0: soul to your audience and tell them you love them every video. <laughs> it's like no,
1: yeah, terrifying. God.
2: I and it's it's almost like there's been some divergent evolution because our school of thought, it, you know, there are a lot of YouTube creators that like create work and then put that on online, and then there are a lot of video creators. And as I understand, this is also a TikTok thing. So like, you know. Uh, who whose main thing is, I'm an influencer. I am the product. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if Instagram was still a functional platform, I'm sure it would still be <laughs> happening there, too. Uh, so it's just uh, we were kind of like, all right, we don't want to do that. We want to make the art. We don't want to have to mm-hmm. be the art. That's scary, yeah. and that sounds exhausting. Um, so, it's a lot of
0: pressure.
1: It's yeah. an insane yeah. amount of pressure.
2: Yeah. I mean, historically, almost anyone who's been that degree of, like, universal celebrity has cracked in, like, 10 years or less because yeah. – they have nowhere to put themselves, essentially, they are product all the way down i mean there's there's some very sad stuff about like Marilyn Monroe and her like like letters and and mm-hmm. introspection where it's like you know, and she could turn off being Marilyn. she could get a little anonymity if she wanted it, but essentially, you get to choose between the person who everybody loves and the real you who nobody knows, and that's scary. We didn't want to have any any part of that um
0: yeah i I think it's it's very um, to us, maybe not to the audience that we are not in this job to be famous. Mm -hmm. We are in this job to have a platform to tell people about things that we like and get people to like the things that we like, whether it's stories or civilizations or whatever. Um, Having an audience
2: with which to share the things we like and the things we create. That is another huge... Because I won't pretend that, like, having the channel is fantastic, but I knew going into, like, doing the comic, like, I was going to have a starting audience that was going to just be interested in it just Mm -hmm. because I was the one making it. And I knew as the channel started getting big, like, this is a starting audience for a lot of things I want to do. Like, if I want to write, if I want to draw, if I want to start getting into acting, I'm getting a base awareness of the things that I can do and create just out there, and that is very valuable, but still separate from me. Look at me, yeah. everybody! I'm is... the I'm the important thing here. It's like no, no, no. Yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: and, and similarly, like I, you know, coming out of college, I wrote two philosophy books mm-hmm. that are better than I give them credit for. I don't yeah. think they're amazing, <laughs> but they're better than I give them credit for. You've circled back and
2: around. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. and
0: those would have had you know they would have gone nowhere, but you know I. It, it, if it was just my immediate circle of friends that I, you know, that I was writing it for uh, at the time, like that, I was still satisfied with mm-hmm. being able to be like, oh, like let's let's take this to a wider audience. Like thousands of people, I think I haven't counted recently, have <laughs> have read those books and hopefully derived something of, of use from that. And I think that's that's yeah. wild. Uh, it sounds like you guys'
3: that... is relationship Sorry. is, you know, you're not selling yourselves; you're selling. Um, and selling is even the wrong word here you're presenting (sighs) things that interest you and you know these areas of mythology history literature to an audience who also cares about those things and that is a much more fulfilling relationship than for you guys at least than you know selling yourself it sounds like I mean I'll admit that it's nice that people think I'm
2: funny and stuff (laughs) like that like positive (laughs) validation is cool no matter what but like I think it you know for us, it's always been less about like who we are versus mm-hmm. what we can do, um, yeah. mm-hmm. and so uh, blue. I know you're you're not as interested in like the the acting side of things um, or anything, as far as I know. Because uh, I think I'm
0: bad at it. I'm yeah. I'm not that bad at it, but I think no, I'm bad not. at it. <laughs> yeah, I understand. This. And also, like if, you,
2: if you're not if you don't have that thing in you that's like pushing you to try anyway, it's like mm-hmm. well, I don't want to. Is kind of all you need to yeah. not. Um, but the the idea of sort of like building up my skill set and essentially figuring out and showing people like what I could do uh, was appealing. But that's not the same thing as it's me. I'm the greatest. You know, everybody needs to love every aspect of me. That's terrifying. it's It's very yeah. important I think to have the private circle. But I do feel like having the audience we have has sort of quietly removed something I used to stress about. And it's hard to notice that because, you know, the absence of a thing is always harder to notice. Yeah. but there's definitely a fear when you're like a starting artist of like, what if nobody ever sees this? What if I'm just screaming into the void? What if I never matter? What if nobody, you know, in a hundred generations, the world will never know I existed. But like, what if even next year, like nobody knows, you know, there's a very like existential, just dread there that I definitely used to stress about. And at some point that just kind of quietly went away and was replaced with like, oh, I hope nobody recognizes me on the street. I'm just getting groceries, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which is a different kind of problem, but it's a very happy medium right now. Like,
0: yeah. yeah. Awesome. I, I will say the, the the one final thought that I have on this is that I've, I've explained it to a few people that obviously the numbers are, fully incomprehensible two million mm-hmm. means absolutely nothing like the, the way that i feel about our audience being two million people is the same as when i felt when it was a hundred thousand it was like yeah
1: it's
2: this still is more than i can think about. it's insane
0: yeah. it, it, it's more people than i could ever shake hands with in a single day um it's like gone uh completely out of left field but mm-hmm. um the the way that i kind of contextualize it is thinking about how like me and my circles of friends whether it's you know you guys cyan whoever else talk about The channels and the creators that we really like, and thinking that there is a group of friends out there that, whenever an OSP video drops, like they're chatting about it it's like oh my Aww. gosh you know like this is the fun thing and then they're sharing that the same way that we do like whenever it used to be like a, you know whenever joe cat put out a new craft <laughs> yeah. guide thing it was yeah. like oh my gosh joe cat and then it's like oh wait we're friends with him now what <laughs> um and like the the guy who we like so much also likes our stuff and that was a huge moment of like oh wow okay th- there's more dimensions to this than just like yeah. you know one-way admiration of other people's work so that's part of how I contextualize it and put it into the the size of just, like, there's one friend group out there who just loves OSP so much.
2: That is one of the mm-hmm. other very cool side effects is that, like, a lot of creators we really admire, like, know us by reputation and sort of admire yeah. us back. And it's like, oh, this is cool. This is like, like, if we <laughs> talked, it wouldn't be weird. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah.
3: Yeah. Very good. lots of Well, we appreciate, you know, all that audience regardless of the deeper thoughts although i think that was a very interesting discussion but this next question is completely unrelated to that so yes. let's uh, dive into it to all what is your favorite non-podcast or video related thing to do in your free time like read fiction play video games go on hikes or play with cleo or maybe something completely different uh this question is from big guardian i completely forgot to read your username yeah, at the front. Big. Um, so what's your favorite um, thing to do that isn't channel related what's your hobbies uh, the comic. But,
2: uh, <laughs> the problem is like free time is not exactly a thing I typically indulge in unless forced to. So mm. it's, I, I feel happiest when I am being productive in some dimension, which is unfortunate because a friend of mine just got me into like a browser game called Orb of Creation that unfortunately exactly scratches <laughs> the itch in my brain of feeling like I'm accomplishing something. Mm-hmm. So that's been a problem. Yeah.
0: Uh... <laughs> a couple nights in the past week, um, red was like i'm gonna i'm gonna play a little bit of orb for a bit and i'm like god damn it red don't do no, it and then red. at 4 a.m i see the message when i wake up the next day like yeah that was a good round i'm gonna, I'm gonna put this away now i'm like
3: God damn it. yeah <laughs> yeah video games are uh, video games really scratch that certain itch in most adhd brains but it's like i could just mm focus on this for hours i've been doing i've been playing fire emblem three hopes uh despite the Ah. fact that i don't really like the gameplay just because i want to see what the story is but i got i spent like 12 hours straight playing it after vidcon just to turn my brain off and do a thing that felt productive and that was dear listeners that was a mistake i did not get anything done that day that was (laughs) but um red it's interesting that the the comic is kind of like a thing for you because i don't i don't this is not going to be a published thing ever but i like doing art like for fun it's like a hobby for me it's the thing i haven't in any way made a career out of and Mm. the way that i give myself something to work on is i have a comic that i like to storyboard and draw even though it's not going anywhere just because it's something that i can always hone in on even if i'm not feeling particularly creative so i like having that like caveat to art is my hobby here's the thing i usually end up working on if i don't have anything better to do
2: well i think there's um there's sort of two components to the creative drive that Mm -hmm. often doesn't really get explored. The first uh, component is obviously the drive to create. This is what people mostly talk about when they come to artistic stuff, but there is also drive to share. Uh, And for some projects, that's very much a thing. And for some people, it's very much a thing. For me, it is almost universally a thing. I've only recently (laughs) found hobbies. I actually don't feel the need to like show off somewhere. but the the drive to create is sort of like a little self-sustaining energy loop of like you know you put energy into it but also you get energy back out of it like you're having a good time it's it's you know but then the drive to share is also I'd feel really good about this if other people saw it and told me what they think um, <laughs> and some projects you have that and some projects you don't so for yeah. years and years for me I used the comic the same way uh, it, I didn't show it to anybody I was just working on building it up in my head but always in my mind was the end goal to eventually mm. show it to somebody because for me, it's difficult to recognize a point to something if nobody's going to see it. I, that ties in with the thing I mentioned earlier, that sort of just buzzing existential concern. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's, that's me. You know, that's the way my artistic um, stat block is skewed uh, very strongly towards the needs to never shut up about this thing ever you may have guessed <laughs> from the, all the everything I've put in my life. Yeah. Uh, but I have recently started trying to develop a few hobbies that aren't that and are a little mm-hmm. more like physical. So I, I've started doing a little bit of whittling and I am considering Ooh. the logistics of trying to do resin crafting. The problem is mm. it's basically managing chemical weaponry and there's a
3: lot of equipment yeah. involved. <laughs> I had a so... brief phase when the pandemic first kicked up when I was booted out of my college dorm back to my father's house where I was like, what if I got really into making dice? Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so that is just exactly. Just googling after one like six-hour googling session of how do I make this possible, I quickly yeah. abandon that. But if you get into it. Mad problem. That's the thing. It like like it'd
2: it's be fun. it's doable. It's just there's such a like a high tech barrier to entry. Yeah. It's like you get a you know, and if you end up not liking it, it's like what do I do with all these highly toxic substances <laughs> that you need a respirator <laughs> to handle? So yeah. you know, it's it's kind of a sunk cost thing. Mm-hmm. It's like once you like once you get the first like bottle of epoxy and the first thing of mica powders, you're like mm-hmm.
3: well. All no, right, I guess uh, I yeah, so. Just
0: just ask your local library if they want to open up a dice workshop with <laughs> with all your Honestly? generously donated kit. <laughs> yeah, um, or
3: your local game store. Be like, hey, you guys want to yeah, have a dice yeah, true. spot? Yeah. Um, true. but like physical crafts, though, that's a great. I do a number like knitting and embroidery and stuff just mm. to have something that like my hands are actively doing because I like doing digital art, but I do a lot of traditional art too just to like physically feel the materials yeah. and things because I find that that helps turn my brain off more than yeah the digital does sometimes one of my favorite things
0: indigo that you've done is when you took the uh blood for the blood god (laughs) shirt and hand embroidered that
3: that was it's so cool easily the coolest
0: thing anyone's ever done with our merch that i'm aware uh, of tip:
3: Redbubble's printing process is basically just a free embroidery template if you just throw that on a hoop you can just embroider right over it because it's just screen printed um so go nuts for (laughs) me um (laughs)
0: what i really like to do uh in my free time is uh i like to walk um, just like yes. kind of get out of my building, pick a direction and just go somewhere. Um, An hour is a really nice, nice unit of time. Um, but just going around, like sometimes I listen to music, sometimes I you know call my parents, sometimes I just listen to nothing but like the wind. It's just, mm-hmm. just let my legs take me wherever the hell I'm going to end up going. And it's great. (laughs) I just, like, get to learn every little, you know, block and corner and street and whatever around um, the place where I live and just really develop that familiarity that I feel like Mm -hmm. most people don't get because it's like these are, like, the four streets that I use to get into and out of my house, whereas I'm like, I've got this whole place down. It's a network. (laughs) I understand all of it. And that's just really fun to to develop that sense of, of, like, physical familiarity with the space, which is also why I really like traveling because I know for a lot of people the the thrill of traveling is like eating delicious food and you know being pampered in nice hotel rooms or whatever it's like okay those those are nice but I like the ability to just be in a cool new place and then just get to go exploring for a while. So, like, if you drop me pretty much anywhere in Europe, I'll just walk for, like, ten hours and have a blast. (laughs) Like, will I go into any buildings? Maybe. Go into some churches or some museums or something. Appreciate the spires. I also like spires in real life. You don't really get a lot of that on the channel, but I do. (laughs) Um, But just getting this, like, exploratory... Um, movement is, is a really kinesthetically satisfying thing for me. So whether it's like taking a couple, you know, hour long walks, um, whenever I get the chance Mm -hmm. or, you know, traveling when I can specifically be like, okay, like I've carved out this day to just explore the space before we go do anything. Like that's, that's like the (laughs) thing for me. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's that's a lot of fun. I find that travel is always more fun when you actually have like freedom of movement because mm-hmm. a lot of times, a lot of trips, it's like you've got such a rigid itinerary. It's like you, you're stressing getting from point A to point B, and then when you're at point B, you're stressing about how you're going to get to point C later. Mm-hmm. So, just one of the most fun trips I ever had was the one where I got uh, frozen into New York City for two extra <laughs> days. So I, I'd like kind of been <laughs> rushing to like hang out with everybody, and then I was yeah. like, I'm stuck in the city for two more days. Anyone wants to like hang out? more a lot of people are like yeah, yeah yeah we can have more than just like a slightly frantic hour and a half long dinner yeah there you um go. so yeah. yeah just having that free time i i'll admit uh my walk upper limit is usually about 45 minutes uh mm. i need to sit down sometimes <laughs> um uh but if i do have time to sit down between them i can cover a pretty impressive distance in a day it's just it you know it's not as fun if I'm yeah. also tired
3: and in pain. <laughs>
1: yeah. I think no, my walk true, of think. choice is hiking
3: yeah. because I, I need mm. one trail that goes to one place because my sense of direction is <clears throat> abysmal. And if you just like, I live, I've lived in gridded cities my whole life and I still get lost constantly. So <laughs> if, I like, and I do, I did I, th- I think hiking is nice. Cause you get that nature too, which I, I live in cities. So, mm. you know, as much as I enjoy wandering the streets of New York aimlessly, um, after a certain point i've seen about as much of new york as i can handle and then i go to my apartment and i can still see about as much of new york as i can handle <laughs> so it's nice to get take out of that environment where i work uh to go somewhere that's like yeah. serene and at the very least you know maybe there's not a ton of other people around you can see some animals or something just like walk with no distractions but uh Go out and take a walk. Do your hot girl walk for the day, people. <laughs> get your exercise in. I don't know yeah. if you guys have, that that was on TikTok for a while. Go out there. Get a, take a walk. Stay safe. TikTok all had a hot girl walk thing. And I don't know if it was just on TikTok, but like I think last summer people were everyone. You know when everyone was like trapped at home constantly, the thing was to go out and take the hot girl walk around your like suburban neighborhood and just like get exercise in for the day. That was just huh. the term for it. It was just walking. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> you get a coffee, you know? Wow. Yeah, bringing in Such the youth innovation. demographic here. <laughs> mm. uh, but gets, lots of good hobbies. I think it's important to have a hobby outside of your job, even if, oh, um, yeah. or at least adjacent to it. You know, it doesn't have to be completely different because ideally you're doing something day in, day out that you at least somewhat enjoy, but having a hobby that isn't necessarily Or at least tolerate. Yeah, or at least yeah. tolerate. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, having a hobby is a good way to kind of help yourself manage burnout and everything. Uh, this next question is for Blue from Space Cat Star Fifty Six to Blue. In the last episode Brilliant. of the podcast, you had to cold-, to cold read the audience reaction to your Mike and Ayan video due to time constraints. How accurately did you predict the audience reaction?
0: Um, I assumed that a few more people would watch it than did. <laughs> oh
2: no, it was a good video. I'm it, glad was, it was. It was a good
0: video. I mean, it didn't end up. It it was it was the dreaded ten out of ten uh, at the bottom of the the view curve. I did manage to change the thumbnail to something a lot more compelling, which which mm. helped. Okay. Um, but. Uh, a lot of people were going full conspiracy board, which I probably should have recognized. Um, yes. A few people were like, but what about the Sea Peoples? And I'm ah. like, okay, you see, the trick was that I explained the Bronze Age collapse without using that dumbass word uh, so that you would actually understand what I'm talking about. Instead of getting hung up on the conspiracy of icky, weird, mysterious Sea People, mm. it's they're just Achaeans, <laughs> they're just Greeks. It's not that Lovecraftian. It's just people. When you Mm. say the word sea peoples, it becomes this, like, weird, like, fucking occult nonsense. But it's just... They're just some guys in boats who are trying to find a new place to live. It's not that crazy. Yeah, it's not that crazy. I swear. So
2: <laughs> Although I, I do understand, like, if you if you cover a video covering that period of history, and they're like, "And these people went to the sea," and then people are like, "But did they meet the sea people?" And you're like, uh, no, "No, let me start again." <laughs> yeah,
0: I actually there have been a few instances where where people in our community show our stuff to like friends of theirs who like have studied this stuff. There's one person on our Discord who showed it to. Um, a friend who has, like, like a master's or a PhD in, in like, Bronze Age, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, Mesopotamian studies or, or something similar, uh, and they really liked my Egypt re-summarized video from earlier this year and specifically said, like, describing the Bronze Age collapse without referencing the sea people's based as fuck and i'm like yes <laughs> 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 yes, and i'm Nailed sure like theory. that is that is the thing that probably pisses people who study this like as their thing off to no end of like i'm trying to explain something so complex and intricate and actually interesting and then it just gets reduced to the like easy conspiracy answer of like ha ah, the sea people did it. it's like no so mm-hmm, i mm-hmm. i appreciated the people who were running along with me in the full conspiracy board and like picking up what I was putting down and recognizing like the complexity of like oh you know not saying the Trojan Wars one-to-one but there was actually this like this kernel of truth to the way that the Mycenaean society just like completely bit it um it was really cool to see people going along with that and and to only see a few people, instances
2: We and
0: only a few instances uh of of commenters um uh missing the point very very mm-hmm. far between mm-hmm. um very so nice. uh uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was pleased that the people who watched it enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. And I was glad that I was able to to get a much more clickable uh, thumbnail than the original <laughs> one, because I, I like I put it together. And as soon as I finished working on the original thumbnail, I'm like, no, that's kind of bad. But I don't know what else to do. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Uh, and yeah. I was a VidCon, so I couldn't really do anything about it. Yeah, I mean, so I had my laptop, but I was yeah. the VidCon all day. So yeah. yep. I can't yeah.
2: believe that people chose to focus on the thing that you didn't even mention, the C people versus like the The Trojan War was like a thing that, like, re- what? That was real. We have the archaeological evidence. Like, how were people not losing their minds over that? That's the mm-hmm. coolest thing I've ever heard.
0: Yeah, yeah. I did actually also see some people getting real, like, ah, oh, Blue didn't uh, didn't dunk on Schliemann enough, and they're right, I didn't, but I wanted my my dunk on Schliemann was only talking about him insofar as he was immediately necessary to contextualize that Troy was discovered. Because he's not important enough or interesting enough to spend a whole video talking about whether or not he was as big of a mm-hmm. dick as some people say he is. Mm-hmm. The unfortunate thing with Schliemann is that he did a lot of damage to the archaeological record by digging down to find what he thought was the deepest level and burning through a lot of Troy 7 in the process. Um, but, you know, the tragedy is that we may well have had nothing if he didn't, you know, forge on out to go and, and find what he found. And sure, he did a lot of forgery. He did a lot of um, of kind of, like, delicately peppering his dig site with uh, incorrect um, artifacts. But the unfortunate tragedy of the matter is that without Schliemann, we may well have had nothing at all. Someone else may have done a better job. We don't yeah. know. But we, we can't be like, ah, oh, Schliemann sucks. Um...
2: Well, we can but like i mean we
0: we, can, we, but gotta we caveat can't it. Yeah. we can't just write him off and i didn't want to go through the whole like oh here's why you know Schliemann's actually kind of important yep. because he's not worth that much time in the video so like mm. i don't want to call him completely useless and terrible but i don't want to stroke <laughs> his ego by talking about him for that much so i just mentioned him and I moved on, and, and I feel like old, that was the right yeah. call. <laughs> he
2: shouldn't have done the forgery thing, because as soon as you mentioned that, I found myself being like, is there some way that he, like, forged the entire, like, city, like, dig site? Like, there shouldn't be, but, no. like... Um, mm-hmm. No, there, yeah. there's
0: no way he forged the whole thing, because we have, like, like Pausanias, like, mentions that Troy still exists in the Roman times. Right, so, like yeah. um Yeah, no, there's... It's
2: just very... There's, bu- yeah. it's, I mean, there's, there's, like, no way to guarantee that that people won't trust you ever again more than like peppering in lies into something that's very important that you be truthful about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All these art forgers really seem to think like their forgery is gonna hold up as well (laughs) as like the truth would. But I mean, you know, you've seen those like old forged Egyptian artifacts where the hieroglyphs are nonsensical. And if you look at them, like they're not even like well carved. and they're like, yes, nobody will ever translate this language. We'll be fine forever. And it's, yeah, ooh, it makes me so mad. Yeah, the struggle.
0: <laughs> it's like but. you find this old cuneiform tablet that when you, like, you kind of, like, focus your eyes, it's not actually cuneiform. It's just wedges that spell out, like, big balls or yeah. something.
3: And <laughs> <laughs> was here. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. Anyway, we got time, I think, for... Uh, I'm going to say one and a half questions because this next one I think is going to be a gimme but this comes from Mary Johnson Uh, Will Ziggy, Indigo's cat, also get a cozy nap spot in front of the armchair room fireplace or is that reserved only for Her Highness Cleo? Uh, Answer the question, Red Where's Ziggy?
2: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, how far do you want me to Push back the next journey to the West to make time for <laughs> adding this to the pile of other things I'm already doing.
3: <laughs> nah, Ziggy's—you know—she blends into the shadow She's stealth mode. Uh, but our actual under the chair or behind the bookshelf. But yes, Indigo. Yeah. Very,
0: very selfless of you to to advocate for Ziggy to get a chibi before you do. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I've already been lapped by one cat who joined the channel after me. Why not make it two? (laughs)
1: Oh,
0: we'll get
3: there. I don't Uh, know if the listeners... Hey, tell your friends to subscribe,
0: then Indigo will get a chibi. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
3: Anyway, this actual last question comes from Finch Fusion. Uh, To all, what is your ideal superhero or supervillain costume? Ooh. So if you were fighting crime or committing crime, what would you want to be wearing? I mean... I'm so torn on capes because they <laughs> slap,
2: but boy would they be inconvenient. Like unless you had yeah. some kind of power that like made it doable. Like if you can fly, the cape's not really. If you can fly and airplane turbines won't bother you, then the cape is not a problem. Just don't um, fly
0: near airplanes. I don't know <laughs> yeah, why it's this not gets that hard. So airplanes up. are
2: not that <laughs> dense in the sky. Um, oh jeez. I I gotta say, even though it is a little bit silly I do kind of like the the more like motorcycle armor style that Mm. like modern superhero the the ones that are embarrassed to be spandex have sort of been doing instead like on the one hand like yeah, there's a level of, like, insecurity in there of, like, oh, you, you can't have a Superman wearing his underwear on the outside. Who do you think you are? But then at the same time, it's like, if I was fighting crime, I would want a little bit of padding, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Sir,
0: this is my combat onesie. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's okay if you're wearing spandex if you underneath the spandex are bulletproof, but some of us are squishy, okay? <laughs> And I'm just thinking about like I've been watching a lot of like quarter crew stuntmen react, and of course there's all this discussion Mm -hmm. about like like stuntmen often like they're they're fighting in suit jackets that you can pad up like crazy, or like you know full motorcycle armor, and then if you're a stunt woman, it's like okay you're gonna need to do this flip in a mini skirt and heels, and then you're gonna need to get hit by this car, and it's like okay all right (laughs) you can pad up like none of that. So Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm just thinking like if I was getting to design my own my own crime fighting gear, it would definitely have pads, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Just I, I, there's a yeah. there's a there's something I really like about being able to fall over and not feel anything. Um, mm-hmm. When I first learned how to ice skate, I was wearing knee pads, and I frequently liked just deliberately like falling on my knees and like sliding. And the one time I tried that when I wasn't wearing knee pads, I learned why people don't do that most of the time. Mm, yeah, oh, it's <laughs> <Always> bad. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, I guess I'm just recreating the uh, the dreaded Nolan Batman bat suit. What with the armor. There's a, and the there's cape a middle combo. ground,
3: you know. There's yeah, like I think um, you're
0: you're you're hewing more towards mcu sensibilities because mm, nolan Batsuit was like
3: no, <laughs> well it, it is because the nolan uh... Batsuit's
0: just military gear spray painted black that's which true. is uninspired literally
3: military <laughs> gear what was the superhero black, movie that like chloe grace motaz was in like years ago because they had a style kick ass, kick ass. Yeah, that oh, sounds more ass. like the look you're thinking because it's still colorful and everything but they definitely had like clear like bike pads and stuff on as part of the costume and that yeah, sounds like I don't know morbid. if I like
2: how that looks though. <laughs> I don't know if I've I would say that, that movie's video.
3: aesthetic necessarily, but that like yeah. level of armor to costume ratio sounds like kind of what you're describing,
2: yeah, I mean, you want yeah. flexibility, which mm-hmm. is another thing that batsuits frequently lack. Um, <laughs> in fact, I think the Batman batsuit is probably pretty close to ideal, yeah. but we're trying yeah. to be creative here, so. Mm-hmm. I guess the, the, the difference between like what what is your ideal superhero suit to design versus what would you want to actually wear is a slightly mm-hmm. different question. Because
0: um, then it's like, okay, how much time do you have and will I run out of ink? Because you yeah. get a lot of characters who are just ludicrously over-designed <laughs> every League of Legends character ever. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think
3: that the ideal is to look like a, like an, like a 90s X-Men character, just pouches for mm-hmm. days, but still very colorful. Like,
2: <laughs> I gotta somehow. say, I really respect the creativity on display with how different all those costumes were, yeah. even though they were kind of on the yeah. same team. Cause it's they like, it. like same Jubilee's motif, little like cropped jacket. Heck yeah.
3: Jubilee's <laughs> costume is what I would want to wear if I was fighting <laughs> uh, I Jubilee's love Jubilee's about- costume, but I want Dazzler's roller skates.
2: Oh, I don't yeah, know how to yeah, roller skate, but
3: I would learn if it came down to
2: it. I love that Wolverine's mask has no point and there's no reason why it looks like that. But even in like the Aesthetics. more serious ones, he often still gets to
3: wear it,
1: yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. fun to
3: me.
2: You can't yeah. fight crime
3: if you ain't cute is a law yeah. I live my life by. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. the costume has to also, at least look cute.
2: <laughs> I gotta shout out his ver- like the version of his costume in X-Men Evolution where like yeah. the torso is like fully cut, like. <laughs> So there's like side boob window going on i don't know why they did it like that the evolution
3: costumes are on a different level entirely oh they're so good i think Except about avalanche's salad bowl helmet like once a week don't diss avalanche he's one of your classic i have nothing boys. i have nothing against avalanche but he was wearing a he was wearing a bowl on his head well
1: yeah
2: you, you um, think
3: his power where he drops rocks on things means he shouldn't wear head protection I don't know, just maybe like a different variety of it. I think that there was ways you could flavor that. But I this is gonna I think the decor design sensibility that I personally really like is a mix of like this could be street clothes and really high tech elements. So like a hoodie mm, yeah. and bike shorts, but you've got like a crazy visor or something going with it, yeah. or uh, you know, something cyberpunk. along that line. You know, so so it's still kind- sort of practical, but you get a bit more of like that cyberpunk sci fi flair to it. And then make it colorful where you need, you know. Because That's some
2: aesthetic. of the vibe I got from like Spider Verse. Uh, yeah, like both Gwen's like hoodie built into her yeah. suit, and Miles yeah, cool. when he like has the the hoodie and the shorts over his his costume. I just thought that was great. Yeah, um, <laughs> big uh, kid going home from swim class energy on that one. Yeah, <laughs>
1: um,
2: but uh, before yeah. we come up on time, Blue, what's your
1: yes, your, your yeah, your I uh, costume uh, having. Choice?
0: It, it's top of mind so having recently watched She-Ra the costume mm. designs in that show <laughs> yes. were really great and they do kind of like strike that balance between like clearly very like you know heroic and, and over the top and stuff but like mm-hmm. it it almost approximates like street clothes like Adora's jacket is just such a look I
1: love jacket. Oh, so good. It's,
0: it's so good it's so good yeah <laughs> yeah she's like yeah I know like I'm still wearing my horde shirt underneath this but like it's such a vibe I'm not gonna <laughs> just throw this out yeah um like minus the 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 eternally cropped top that Bo has, like I really like his outfit a lot too. I don't have the confidence to pull <laughs> it. The off. crop top is <laughs> essential <the> <laughs> part
3: of the Bo look. Like that makes that yeah. makes that yeah. outfit work.
0: <laughs> like. If I could dress like Seahawk all the time, <laughs> I would. Who and I almost kind of do. Yeah. Uh, you just need the <laughs> boots.
2: And then you'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. If
0: I just had the confidence and like the patience to wear boots cuz like that's a lot to lace up every time, yeah. I would dress like Seahawk every day. Yeah.
2: 100%. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting especially if you compare them with the designs for oh, the old ones, yeah. which is kind of kind of I mean it's it's got a lot of heart but Oh boy, it's, it's, it's very 80s. The it 80s. is really 80s. <laughs> like
3: the show is going to sell action figures that are made from a model that already looks a particular yeah. way, so we have to make sure all of the elements of it yeah. work with that model. Uh, yeah. Which I have oh, exactly. I, yeah. I love yeah. the OG show in a very nostalgic way, but it's it's a look that's very different from the yeah. She-Ra reboot and I'm glad they went in the direction that they did for
0: the No, pre- I <laughs> would I would 100% just wear like like just get whatever was, like, the one costume that didn't get used in the She-Ra design <laughs> department for that yeah. show. We're like, I'll take it, I'll take yeah. it, I don't even care what <laughs> yeah. it is.
1: Um, oh, man.
0: Like, I also
2: like their use every of... one of that show oh, yeah. is
0: styling. <laughs>
2: yeah, and I also like their use of, like, uh clothing redesigns to signify major character development like (laughs) glimmer's like redesign when she becomes queen and catra's stylish pixie Mm -hmm, cut mm -hmm. uh (laughs) which uh, also
0: one thing that we didn't get to talk about in the detailed diatribe for for she-ra is that in season four catra gets the one arm in black and glimmer gets the one arm glove in white boom oh my god
2: you're so right
0: (laughs) yeah yeah everyone in that show is 100 percent all like top fashion uh, every yeah. scene it's fashion.
3: So good. but yeah. uh, for more on that check out the she detailed diatribe because that's time on the podcast yeah. we're running long so uh <laughs> red you ready to take us out sure i'm always good at this thank you all so much for
2: listening uh as always we'll be back in two weeks with another tasty podcast uh and we'll be back on friday with just regular videos as per the usual. um as mentioned in the middle of the video podcast uh check out the description for links to rolling with difficulty the videos we've recommended here all that stuff Um, and uh i think that's kind of us covered uh so until next time i've been red
0: i have been blue
3: and this has been an overly sarcastic podcast thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the overly sarcastic podcast We'll be back on July 27th with another thrilling installment, but if you miss us before then, be sure to check out Overly Sarcastic Productions on YouTube. Got a question for the pod? Head over to Pod on Discord for a chance to be featured in a future episode. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. Links to all that and more can be found in the show notes below.